Okay, you guys, I have to say that I owe an apology to Kyle. Susan, I'm, this episode was supposed to air like June 14th, and I just realized it didn't move out of draft status into published status. So um, you're going to get a double dose of the podcast today because I'm releasing this one along with um, another one. But my apologies. Uh, I'm not sure what happened there, but you're going to love this episode. It's A Maker's Journey to Owning Your Worth with guest special guest um, Kyle Susan. So enjoy. So we're walking through there and I find this crazy looking thing and I'm like, what in the world is this? And I mean, we go antique shopping probably every weekend and I've yeah. seen. You've seen, you've seen all the things. things. Yeah. I've never seen this thing. This is what it is. Can you see it? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is a 1940s car battery tester. Get out. It is the craziest thing. I've never seen anything like this before. And look at you, you just brought it home and made it into a lamp in like three days. Welcome to Live Less Afraid, the podcast where I normalize talking about mental health. My name is Michelle Jones, and each week I'll share how I'm overcoming fear, anxiety, and imposter syndrome. We'll discuss how our thoughts and our beliefs hold us back. We'll talk about how it's all connected, our physical, mental, financial, and spiritual well-being, and I'll discuss the most important relationship, the one we have with ourselves. And I'll teach you how these feelings impact our business and our personal life. And I'll interview amazing guests who share my love of living a real life with all its complexities. I'll teach you how to accept all the different parts of yourself so you can learn how to live less afraid too. Tonight. Hi, everybody. Um, this is Michelle Jones with the Live Less Afraid podcast. And um, tonight I am back with um, a guest. I haven't had a guest on in a while, and I've got a couple of those lined up. And on my show today is Kyle Susan. And Kyle is a great friend and actually like family, really, if I, if I think about it. We've just, we've known each other for years and years, and he's um, married to my uh sister ex-sister-in-law I always joke and say that I kept her in the divorce and um welcome Kyle well thanks for having me yeah um and I feel like Kyle has always been one of those guys um that from the moment I met him I I, I just his energy is really great and he um is so super creative just the way he thinks about things and I thought it would be really fun to have him on the show and have him share with us a little bit about his maker's journey um, and just kind of spotlight that a little bit, but then also talk a little bit about like how he got there. Um, you know, we all have our stories and you guys have heard mine. Um, so we're going to be talking a little bit about that tonight too. So Kyle, um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about, you know, your backstory and maybe like where you got your creative inspiration from. Well, I mean, a lot of my creative inspiration, you know, came from my parents and my grandfather. You know, my grandfather was an electrician. He was a master electrician and would hire me to uh, go to work with him when I was probably 13 years old. <laughs> he would make me crawl underneath houses and do all the dirty work for him. Right. But everything my grandfather ever, when my, my grandfather spoke, he was teaching me something. Mm. Everything had a lesson no matter what it was, if it was pulling nails, running a wire, doing something, there was always a lesson. Mm -hmm. So 
and he would always teach, you know, my brother and myself, um, just to look at things a little differently, you know, look right. at how things were made, not just that it was made. And I always think about that, you know, and he would, he would always point out architectural things mm-hmm. and lighting. He mm-hmm. always was fascinated by lighting and that's where I got it from, yeah. you know, and it, it just the creativity in buildings and how the light fixtures were. And so, you know, I became very passionate about it and I started as an electrician at 18 years old when it was my first job, when I real job, when I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. then, I mean, I've been in the industry since, yeah, I was 18. So 1988. Yeah. So, so he really taught time. you to be curious, right. About just the world yeah, I mean, around you. Just, right. Just not, um, I was, one of my coworkers gave me this book and it was about basically about seeing what's around you, not mm-hmm. just what's in front of you. And mm-hmm. it's a really interesting book and a, a really different perspective. Yeah. Um, and I've always had a lot of pride in myself for that. Yeah. Just seeing everything around me, not just literally what's in front of you. Right. You know, and then just being curious about it, like you said, mm-hmm. just how was that made? Who made that? You know, how fascinating, how old is that? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just what's the history behind it. Where did it come from? You know, why did we make right. it that way? <laughs> right. Or who made it? You know, why mm-hmm. did they make it? There's always a reason for something, you know, and one thing with my lamp making, I'll sit there and look at something for a long time. And I'll just say, you know, somebody put this together. I can take it apart. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. kind of my fun little thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking about what you're saying when you're talking about, um, it reminded me of a quote from Wayne Dreyer, um, who's like a older thought leader, but he always says like, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And it's oh. like such a simple saying, but it's like, so big at the same time right like it's just how you look at something (laughs) I mean you know like I don't know how to put it into words but just thinking like my life really changed when I realized that I had to be in control of the outcome of my decisions Mm. when I stopped blaming other people Mm-hmm. and circumstances for the way I am mm-hmm. you know my childhood and my brother's childhood was very unconventional right and, so was mine you know I could have went the other way mm-hmm. I did go the other way for a little while but mm-hmm. you know when I started having kids it was like this is what I was meant to do yeah I was meant to be a dad and a grandfather yeah. and uh it really changed my perspective on the way that I act yeah you know sure. it's different you can get mad at somebody Mm-hmm. And then blame somebody, but it's like, well, you know, like Iris always tells me, um, honey, what do you say to me? I can't control what other people do. It's only how I react to it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I remind myself of that daily. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's, you know, I think that's a really great point that you make because I think it's easy for all of us to fall into that blaming game sometimes, but you're right. Like the only person I can control is me. Like that person is going to do whatever they're going to do and act a fool and whatever. But I can choose to just steer clear of that fool (laughs) or go on about my day and do what I need to do and not let that affect me. Um, Sometimes it's harder than others to remember that advice. You know, I mean, I I definitely struggle with that. But I get caught up in the moment almost every other day. Yeah. You know, just the work I do and the people I'm around. and Just driving. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Just driving in traffic can can do that to me sometimes. I'm like, where did this person learn how to drive? Um, yeah, you yeah. know, probably. I don't know. There was just something that switched in me. You know, probably five or six years ago, <clears throat> and I saw that probably in when you. I really started getting into my lamp making and just gaining more confidence in myself mm-hmm. and seeing my kids struggle. Yeah, and I was like, wait a minute. You know what? I'm in control of what I do. You know, yeah. they need to be in control of what they do. Exactly. And I know I, I tried the best. Iris and I tried very hard to raise them well. And all parents do. Did we do anything perfect? No. Uh, we tried hard, and I cannot blame myself for any of their shortcomings. Yeah. You know. I, I can't and they don't yeah. really well us, and I know. think like that's a beautiful tie-in even back to our parents right like my mom right. was a single mom raising three kids and I think about how hard it was to raise the kids that I had <laughs> and they were right. they're right. great kids and I think how in the hell did she do it how did she raise mm-hmm. three kids by herself pay the bills pay the mortgage put the food on the table wash the dishes you know all those things that have to be done to keep up a house all by herself and I thought no wonder she was so you know crazy and no wonder she relied on alcohol and drugs to like get through it because like I think I might have too right if I was in her situation so and I think that you know my my therapist always tells me you know your your mom did the best that she could with what she had to work with and so I think the same applies for me and applies for you and Iris like you we did the best we could with what we had right like we did the best we all you know, I think all parents are like that we want the very best for our kids we want better than than we had for our kids and we just do what we can right like but at the end of the day kids grow up and they and they have to make their own decisions you know about like and like you said find their own confidence and and, and live with their own decisions about what they're doing right yeah right. I mean yeah. you know like I said it was like a switch went off with me and it's really changed my life you yeah. know, for the better, just taking responsibility for my actions, mm-hmm. you know, and I am control of every thought that I have, yeah. every action that I do. Yeah, I control it. Nobody yeah. else is controlling me to do that. Nobody's pulling right. my strings. Mm-hmm. I might have some influences here and there. Sure. But ultimately, yeah. I make the decision yeah. to say yes or no, or to, you know, go this way or go that way. It's always, right. up, it's up to me. Yeah. You know, and changing my job, you know, I worked at that place for 16 years yeah and finally realized I was underappreciated and undervalued and now that I have a great job where I'm very valued and uh, it's changed a lot yeah and do you think that maybe was part of your catalyst too for your change was like that moment where you said um I am worth more than this I'm going to go yeah. find this different job and like do you think that kind of empowered you too to have that I can't remember oh, with the with the the job and the creative work if those kind of came along at the same it's, time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've been doing my lamp making and everything um, for almost eight years. Wow. But in the last probably four years, it's really taken off. It really has. Um, you know, it's really, um, you know, I couldn't have done it without the support of Iris. She's always supporting me and my family and my brother. And now we have mm-hmm. a lighting gallery in Tacoma. I know. I, I mean, can't wait to talk more about that. It's so crazy. Yeah. But I, it's all about like what you're doing. You take that step, you know, you step mm-hmm. out of your box and the more you do it, the more confident you are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, 
you know, for the longest time I was like, well, you know, I don't really care if people like it or not. You know, I'm doing this for myself, but it's, it is, I get the satisfaction out of people like what I do, you know, they're right. like the reason for why I do what I do. Yeah. So anyway. But I think that's good that it's, it can be both. Like I can fill my cup and I can do this thing that I really love because I love doing it. Oh, and look at this benefit. People dig it. Like they like it. And I think that there's a huge correlation to that. When you show up as you are and doing the things that you like to do that resonate with you, that's what's contagious because people see that and they see that you dig it and they see that you're making these cool lamps and and you have these stories behind them and you know then they get excited about it right because you're excited about it well let's talk about that let's talk about the what you what you do a little bit because it started eight years ago and maybe just talk a little bit about like like how did that first piece, like, where, how did you decide I'm going to make lamps out of this stuff? I mean, I know a little bit of the story, but I want our listeners to hear it from well, you. So really to go a little further back, you know, I've always felt since I was young, you know, my mom was very um, crafty. She would make mm-hmm. our clothes when we were kids. I'm sure <laughs> most people our age parents did that. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad, he, you know, we grew up kind of poor. We didn't have mm-hmm. that much money. My dad worked sometimes. My mom worked all the time. My dad worked didn't work sometimes anyway <laughs> he was always very resourceful you know if sure. he didn't if he couldn't fix it he would make something to fix it mm-hmm. he never hired anybody he was always just very resourceful so that's where I get a lot of that from and my grandfather was the same way again right. he was always teaching stuff my dad was always my dad had his way of teaching and it was more of you know a rough uh it was a little rough you know, yeah. it wasn't like the passion like a grandfather has in teaching because, you know, you are a grandparent. That yeah. is one of the wonders of just It's being such a, person. a great gig. It is. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway, you know, um, so, you know, the, my company, my business name is called Visionary Voltage. And uh, my mom helped me come up with the name because my dad, he was a collector of everything. He was a semi hoarder. I mean, he would just pack rat stuff away. And as my mom said, you know, he always had the vision to do something with these things, but he could not always put it together. Yeah. So, you know, my dad passed in away. It'll be 20 years ago this um, summer. Wow. And about eight years ago, my mom was, she had just kind of had it with his stuff all over sure. the property. And right. She just said, you know what? I live with this every day. You guys don't. I need you guys to do something with it. Mm-hmm. Me and me and my brother. So literally, I mean, I know this sounds corny, but it literally was like a light bulb moment. I'm in my dad's shop. And uh, I love it. That just came to me. Yeah. You know, I was like, look at all this stuff. I'm an electrician. Yep. I've always had a passion for building things, but I'm terrible at it. And I let my brother overshadow me. I mean, are I you terrible at it though? Happen. Are you terrible you know, at it though? I don't think you are. I, you know, like my brother was a perfectionist. My mom was yeah. a perfectionist. Yeah. I'm not a perfectionist. My dad is not a perfectionist. I mean, I cannot draw a straight line to save my life. Right. But what I realized I could do is I could take things that were a little bent, a little old, a little dirty, and put them together and make mm. a light out of them, mm. you know, and repurpose something literally that was going in the trash Ugh. and make lights out of it. So I mean, beautiful. It's, 
that again has changed and that's, my life. You know, like that's who you are. And again, you leaned into Absolutely. who you are. You didn't try. I mean, I know you probably felt like you were in the shadow of your brother for a long time, right? Because he's oh, yeah. that Mr. Building and makes me. all the pretty things and blah, blah, right. blah. <laughs> You're like, well, I can't do that. But it's like, right. that's not what you were put on this planet to do, Kyle. You were put right. on this planet to do your thing, which is to make the cool things out of the ugly things that are just left there. You know, and so the other, the other interesting part of that whole thing um, is it just came at the right time. You know, it yeah. came at the time when my mom was ready to get rid of this stuff. And it came at the time when all three of the kids moved out of the house. Yep. And you go through that little period where it's just like, you know, nobody needs me right now. Empty nest. And, so, mm-hmm. Exactly. I speak you know, to a lot first, of people about that six months it was like wow you know they don't need me nobody's calling me and it's like this is kind of house is quiet like it stays clean like i need something to do around here now it's great (laughs) but it was just interesting at the time the timing of the whole thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um i was really just kind of lost for a little while sure you know yeah no i totally get that you know i mean my girls had their sons that are you know 16 mm-hmm. and 18 years old so yep it was yep. like you know getting rid of teenagers and then having babies again yeah so that was interesting but it was just that thing for myself I went through a period where I was just lost a little bit and I was looking for like to belong to something yeah know, yeah you go through all those years of just somebody needing you it's you know, such a I huge figured, adjustment for a lot of people you are not alone in those feelings at all like there's whole groups of people out there that you know bond over this period of life that we're in <laughs> right yeah you know and I yeah. feel fortunate that I had kids young and yeah. I was had you know Austin at a young age and I mean I'm 52 yeah we got our whole life ahead of us <laughs> I mean I can still go play basketball with the boys and yep. you know I see other grandparents that are 70 years old with grandkids my you know my age yeah. So your mom says, come get this stuff out of here. And you decide to go in there and you guys, you have this moment of like visionary voltage is being born. What's this first piece? Like, how do you decide, like, I'm going to make a lamp? Like, because, you know, I mean, I know that you're, you're into that and you're in, you know, that's where your spirit is, is with electrical. Like, what was you that know, first really, piece? I honestly, I think the first thing that I ever made, it was, um, it was like out of a metal cracker tin box mm-hmm. that I, that was in my dad's shop. And then I had mm-hmm. this old wire basket that I made for a lampshade. I mean, yep. I look back on it now and it's awful. Well, I mean, you know, I everybody it. started somewhere, like everybody oh, started somewhere, you know, yeah. like I'm I mean, sure I made one Van Gogh's first painting wasn't that great either, yeah. you know, but <laughs> what up? And so that, I was thinking about that the other day is just how the progression has come and you know it's iris is always encouraging me to do this and do that and Mm -hmm. you know literally the other side of it it it, for a lot of it has made me and iris go grow closer together Mm -hmm. because we go out and find the things together yeah she will literally go out in a barn with me Mm -hmm. we will dig through rusty junky antique stuff and i love it that's what we do together go picking fun go picking you know like i said it's just you know, I remember it was probably seven years ago. I'd been making lamps, you know, in the kitchen, literally. And then I graduated into the spare bedroom and then we moved. And now it's like taken over my whole entire garage. But, um, 
you know, I'd make a lamp here and there and then I would sell it. And I was just really hesitant to put it on Facebook because, you know, people were oh. pretty mean. Yeah. And yeah. then so I did. And then I sold a couple things. And then I did. Your like, response first... was the people kind of dug it, though, like from the get go. Did that surprise you? Oh, yeah. It were you shocked? Were you like, wait, what? Well, it totally surprised me. And, it's and you were surprising. you were you were low. You were the price was super low, too, in the beginning. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, man, that's cheap, like for what you made. And right. but I know it's like that whole it's a whole continuum of of the confidence and like, oh, I'm making this thing and who's going to want it. And right. right. And then you want to like, thing. whoa, we're... this thing sold in like five minutes. I should have charged yeah. more. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I really live and um, learn. <laughs> My brother tells me that a lot, you know, because he's been in this world for 35 years, you know, of owning his own business and selling what he makes, you know, and he tries to teach me about the perceived value of things. And yes, I have a day job. Um, so do I. You know, but I kind of pride myself a lot on trying to keep my prices very reasonable because I really want people to enjoy the piece that they have. Mm. And if I can make it affordable to somebody, I mm-hmm. feel that they're going to enjoy it even more. I don't mm-hmm. want them to regret spending two or three hundred dollars on a lamp. People, but I, people spend I know, more but than I that on like, lamps all the time. I know. I go into Target <laughs> and I see like a lamp for three hundred dollars, yeah, no. or a lamp, and I'm like, Are you kidding yeah. me? Trust me, there's there's there people don't people don't. Oh, that's like a whole other conversation we have to have, Kyle, mm-hmm. about about uh, money mindset because it's like it's such a weird thing and it gets in your head and I think especially when you come from you know meager backgrounds like we did like it's it's it messes with your mind (laughs) you're like like, wait what I can I can I should be charging more for this in fact I got a tip from one of my money mentors she said um that you should be looking at price adjustments like for every every so often it should be 15 percent 15 percent 15 percent and she's like, just keep going until right. you, she goes, it'll feel awkward. Way to look at it. It'll feel awkward, but she, she goes, I'm telling you, like, that's where you need to be moving to. And I'm like, wow, okay, <laughs> I'm going, I'm going there. Right. Well, that's not a bad way to look at it either. No, but you know, like as you gain more confidence and you build bigger pieces or more, um, you know, they have more detail to them or, right. you know, there may be more rare materials. Like, yeah, definitely. Like that's right. a total custom one-off piece that you're making that no one else is ever going to have in their house. Well, that's so that's what I try to do. I mean, obviously, um, I try not to recreate the same thing twice. I've had people mm-hmm. to ask that ask me to make a matching something and I'm like, I'll try, but it will not be exactly the same. Two pieces will never be exactly the same. Yeah. No, just because I use so many different materials. Yeah. And that's like the whole thing though, too, is that your pieces are so custom. So, right. you know, and, um, and people want that. They'll pay for that. Exactly. You know, they're not going to have 10 of the same thing. Yeah. You know, there's always not target. Not, you know, people can't just walk in and but I think that's part of the attraction too. Like that's what makes it like right. exclusive and desirable is, is that. So, so you made your first piece, it was the cracker tin and you're like, Oh my God, yeah. that thing's terrible. But now like here you are years later and the stuff that you're producing, you know, what, what's the last piece you made or your last favorite piece and, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, the last piece, actually, let me grab it for you. Oh, okay, yeah. You have to see it so I can okay. explain it. Oh my gosh, this is this is awesome. It's pretty cool. Okay. Kind of a funny story about this one. Iris and I went to Bend last weekend, which you mm-hmm. knew. Yeah. 
we go to this antique shop in Redmond. Mm-hmm. So we're walking through there and I find this crazy looking thing. And I'm like, what in the world is this? And I mean, we go antique shopping probably every weekend. And I've yeah. seen. You've seen, you've seen all the things. things. Yeah. I've never seen this thing. So I pick it up. This is what it is. Can you see it? Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, so okay. This, it's looks it, like it's got a gauge on it and two yeah. like pointy things on the side. Yeah. And no, then a base of some things. kind. Oh, the fa- it's a faucet handle for the base. Oh, a faucet handle for the, okay, got it, got it, uh-huh. This is a 1940s car battery tester. Get out. It is the craziest thing. I've never seen anything like this before. And look at you, anyway. you just brought it home and made it into a lamp in like three days. I was so excited <laughs> that I had to make it. Stop the press. I'm going to go home and make this lamp like right now. Oh, yeah, because I've never seen anything like it. I mean, this obviously nobody would have something like this. No, you know, but, but see, the that's the fun part of what you do. Right. Right. And now you have this you totally unique one off piece that you guys found on a trip and it's got a story behind it. Like people love that stuff. Well, and this again, one of the things that I pride myself on is I really try to do the research and figure out where things come from. Mm-hmm. Like you see this one. The curiosity. Little 1960s radio. That is so precious. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Love. I like, redid the whole thing and painted it. Normally it's I don't paint stuff, so but this one was cute. Terrible. That is so cute. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, so now like you just bust these things out and, and something you started selling them online. You started telling me that, right. And then you started right. selling them like at flea markets, right. You guys would go to like swap. So like we the, would do like vintage, uh, fairs, shows. the vintage share yeah. shows. Like yeah. Maker mm-hmm. market. Uh-huh. Yep. Maker and markets. Then, I mean, you know, you just kind of create a little bit of a following and then people, you know, then I ended up getting like business cards made. Because people are always asking for a card and then people would call me and like make custom pieces. I love so, that. Literally, I mean, if I didn't explain it very well, the reason why I started doing this is because the death of my father, you yeah. know, and going through his things and just not wanting to throw them away. And wanting know? to and do something that, with them. Right. You go through that period, you know, where it's like, oh my gosh, this is like my dad. This is my, his legacy. Yeah. And then you go through that thing and well, this is just junk nobody's yeah. gonna want this you know yeah. so I, obviously I took those things and started making lamps then you generate a little bit of a following and then people would call me and they want they like my story and, you know so well, they're like what's hey. not to like it's an amazing right. story so it's pretty cool when somebody will give me something that was their you know grandpa's their dad's or mom's and they'll say hey can you make me a lamp out of this mm, it's, that's beautiful. you know it's pretty touching to me it's really touching so, I don't think that, I knew that um, part. I I did not know that part really? of your story, Kyle. I didn't know that people were actually calling you and having you make custom pieces from their family's things. Well, because <sighs> that is so you know, freaking cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's a, I enjoy that the most. You know, do you market that um, service? Like that that's something you offer, or is it just word of mouth? It's, like people it's kind it's of word know. of mouth. Oh, it's word man. of mouth because well, it's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, when it when it kind of becomes a job, it becomes not fun. 
No, it's so true. I try right. to go at my own pace and I pick and choose what I say to who I say it to. I've learned it, that the hard well, way. You know, and, and that's your prerogative as a maker too. And I think, I think that, you know, I think even if you got a hundred orders tomorrow, like there, then it's, you're like, well, it's going to be probably a year until I get yeah, this to you. Exactly. And I think that that's totally okay. Because again, I don't think that what you do can be rushed. I mean, I think it, that's part of the process. Well, that's, that, it, but that is as part of the whole process. And, you know, yeah. like Iris, like this, um, the battery tester. So the other funny part of that story is I grab it and I'm like, oh my gosh, Iris, I got to have this. And she looks at it and she's like, why? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can put a light bulb on this thing and I could do this. And she's like, all right, whatever. So I literally finished it last night and I bring it out to her and she's like, all right, that, that's pretty cool. You know, so she was, <laughs> and she has to like, oh, okay, I guess it is pretty cool. I, but again, see, that's where you have the vision. Like she might be right. your cheerleader and go along with yeah. you, a partner in crime to like find all the things, but it's still your like vision in your head that right. you're seeing how this can be done. So I think that's the beautiful part. And so you did some flea markets, but then something really exciting happened recently. You did a little uh, something up in Tacoma. So my brother, he, so my brother, um, long story short, lived in Portland for 30 some years, went to the Portland Art Institute, opened a business in Portland, been very successful, got tired of Portland. And he, uh, when he worked at the McMinimans, the Elks Lodge in Tacoma, he decided he wanted to live there. And then he leased a building that had a storefront. So he built an apartment in the back of it. So he has, it's the craziest thing. It's got half of a wood shop, half of it is an apartment and a kitchen and a bathroom, everything just like a lot. It's just amazing. But the front of it has a whole storefront mm -hmm. and it's on a main busy road. And it was about a year ago. He called me about a year, maybe a year and a couple months ago and said, Hey, I decided that um, your stuff's pretty amazing and you're going to be the focal artist in my um, lighting gallery. And he said, well, it's our lighting gallery. Mm. So that was pretty humbling. And again, to beginning of what I, when we started talking is yeah. my brother has always been an artistic. Yeah. One. He's always been the outspoken one. Yep. And I always um, have looked up to him all sure. of my life. And, uh, you know, for him to do that is pretty humbling. Yeah. You know, I bet it was also like a really proud moment for you too, because, you know, like your brother finally came out and recognized yeah. like you have the creative talent too, right? You have the ability to make these things that are attractive and people want to buy and that are completely unique and different and totally Kyle, you know, they're not right. your brothers, not even right. in the same lane that he's in. Like right. it's all he you. doesn't even try to do it. No. You know? No. Which, yeah, I mean, it was very, um, again, one of those kind of know, a full circle you know, moment. 52 years old, and you finally feel like you're an equal to your older brother. Yeah. It uh, yeah. was, I don't know, it, it was pretty cool. I, mean, I think it's amazing. To me. Yeah. And you guys, you know, especially so. after our dad died, you know, I looked up to him even more. Exactly. You know, and exactly. then just kind of being, you know, we've had our differences, you know, sure. with brothers. Yeah. It happens. Mm -hmm. Now I just, we we're just kind of on the same plane, but it yeah. was more me than him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
so you have this shop in Tacoma and remind me what it's called. So we um, opened our gallery and it's called Substation 21. Substation so 21 in Tacoma. We were trying to pick a name Washington. for about six, six, seven months. And he was looking at this online auction and he found this really cool vintage metal sign. And it said Substation 21 on it. And he showed it to me and I'm like, that's it. Substation, electrical substation. Yeah. It just fits. Fits. You know, it just fits right in. It's industrial sounding. Yeah. You know, we came up with a logo. We got like beer coasters with Mm -hmm. our logo on it. Where's my coaster? (laughs) Gotta give me one of those. (laughs) Somebody needs to drop one of those in the mail to me. (laughs) Oh, no, I'll get you some. They're cool because they have our address on the back and everything. So nice. anyway, the gallery, we had an opening in November, uh, was very successful. Um, I probably sold 15, 16 pieces. Wow, that's um, amazing. opening alone. And that's the funny thing, my brother kept saying my prices were too low. They are so too low. Kind of, we'll just, we'll just, kind of we're just going to come out and say that, that we know your prices are too low. We'll, we'll talk you know, offline. The, the biggest <laughs> we'll have a conversation thing, about money mindset. <laughs> is there one in my room, honey? The biggest thing, the biggest accomplishment that was very, uh, after doing all these little small markets and everything, and then just, it was just such work. It was a lot of work. You know, I was constantly scrambling to make lights because I always felt like I had to have 20 plus pieces. And then I realized, um, you know, my quality was faltering a little bit. Okay. I was just trying to pump them out quick. And yeah. we were doing a, an event like every other month. Wow. And it takes a lot of time. People... Some people see it. Some people don't, yeah. you know, I'll get like a bunch of rusty gears or whatever. And I clean them, you know, and I, and I seal them and there's a lot of work that goes into it. Mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. like five years ago, uh, the Vancouver has the recycled arts festival. And it's about a hundred artists like myself that make things out of reclaimed materials. And it has to be 75% reclaimed. Right. Um, and it's a juried event. So you get selected. So I was selected for four, uh, consecutive events. And nice. It's a big deal. I mean, there's like 20, 30,000 people go through this event in two days. Wow. And uh, that was really what kickstarted just more of a following, obviously, when that many people see your thing. Yes, absolutely. And then COVID hit, you know, and they canceled it the first year. Then they were going to have it last year and they canceled it. So this year, so they did a video, an artist video segment that came to my house. You know, I remember that. Know, yes. That was a lot of fun. So this year, everything was a go. Submitted my application, got accepted. Very excited. Very, very excited to do it. And last Friday, I got an email saying they had to cancel it. And it was very Dang unexpected. It. Very unexpected. And they mm. didn't really give a good reason why. I think it was mm. they're having a bunch of staffing issues. But it's a big deal. I mean, they've been doing this event for about 14 years and it's very mm-hmm. well known and people from all over come to it. So anyway, oh, man. that was a disappointment. But McMinimums up in Bothell is mm-hmm. having a maker's market on Sunday. Nice. So it's at the McMinimums that uh, Troy, my brother, worked at. That right. he built the whole bar up there. So anyway, I'm traveling up to Tacoma Saturday, helping him pack up. And then he's going to do the event for our gallery. And he's going to have some of his things in there because he does, um, you know, home goods. He makes like right. special cutting boards and all this kind of stuff. 
Right, right. So he's going to be selling our lamps up there. Okay, so kind of broad if you're in the in the Bothell, Washington area this weekend on Sunday, there's a maker's market at McMinniman's, McMinniman's Anderson School. Anderson School on Sunday, and yeah, your like products will be there. And you'll have a you guys will have a, a space there. Yeah, he's got an okay. indoor space there. Indoor space there. Okay, great. And then. Also, um, well, I want to wrap this up, but I got a couple, one more question for you. And then I want you to tell us a little bit about like where we can find you and stuff like that. So um, I want you to, um, before we close, what advice would you give to somebody kind of in your shoes who who's maybe thinks they have an idea or wants to be a maker? Like what kind of advice would you give them to get, get going or? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, the one thing... <sighs> You know, just do what you're passionate about, mm. you know, and, and, and be passionate about it and mm. put in your own. What I've learned when I struggle with something, um, it's taken me a long time just to realize because I'm one of those people that once I start something, I feel yeah. like I need to finish it. Yeah, um, me too. And I don't like to leave things half undone because when I do do that, yeah, I'll just stop. I won't go out in the garage for a month. You know, right. like the winter months are, are difficult. So this year I bought myself a big electric heater to put it in my garage and wired it up. So I've been working all year round. The biggest thing is just keep doing it. Just yes. be confident and passionate about what you do. Yes. And it doesn't, it, it, you know, like I said a while ago, I started doing this for myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I realized I started doing it for myself and also to save part of my dad's legacy. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. totally taking on a completely different meaning for me. Mm-hmm. As in, it just, it, I have my passion really yes. just for life, to be honest yeah. with you. I mean, yeah. it's really reinvigorated me and it keeps me that. going. And I think about it all the time. Iris calls because I'll just sit there and just look at lamps and I'll just try to design lamps in my head. and. And Iris just says it's like my lamp porn, you know, because I'm just addicted. And that's, I wake up thinking about a light. It, it's not a joke. No, I can literally I, fall asleep thinking about a lamp yeah. and I'll wake up with an idea of how to make it. And so your advice would be to, to keep at it, to find something that you're really passionate about and, and just, just, you know, really chase after it. Just have fun. And you have know, fun. I love fun that. Yeah. To be fun. And if it becomes like, you know, my mom gave me good advice when I was just struggling with the whole thing and just kind of wanted to give up. And because I had many requests or I was trying to fulfill, trying to put an event together. And she's like, if it becomes a job, it becomes not fun. Mm-hmm. And she was right. Mm-hmm. You know, when I take a week off or take a couple of days off and I go out there and then I can just do it. Yeah. So it's fun. Yeah. You know, that's good. That's I like it. My best advice is just have fun. I love that. That is a great space to end on. Um, before we go, though, I want you to tell listeners where they can find you. So you guys, are, you're on Instagram. So we have so we have two Instagram pages. I have my company, Visionary Voltage, is on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And then we also have Substation 21, which mm-hmm. is on Instagram and Facebook. And then we're developing a website for the Substation 21. Program. Awesome. So coming soon. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, those are all great places for people to go out and connect with you and, and just check out what you're doing and find out about events. So Kyle, this yeah, was an always, awesome. Go I ahead. was just going to say, we're always updating, you know, current things we're making or current events that are coming up that we'll be at. So yeah, mm-hmm. please 
feel free to check it out. Yeah. This was a great conversation. I really appreciate you hanging out with me and just chatting about your journey, um, you know, to be a maker and then, you know, just empty nesting and what all that's been like for you. So I appreciate your time tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Hey, hey, friends. Before we get started today, I want to um, make sure that everyone who listens is aware that I am doing a women's retreat this fall. I am so excited about it. Um, it's going to be in the beautiful Pacific Northwest in Bingen, Washington, near uh, Hood River. And you can find out all the details about this magical weekend where you can reset, refocus, get renewed. There's going to be an outdoor nature hike. The place has this amazing spa. We're going to do meditation and yoga. We're going to really help you, um, you know, just tackle the issues that you need to tackle during the weekend. It's going to be just an amazing event. And I want you there. There are limited spots. There's only 10 spots. So I need you to get in there. Um, you can do all of that. Get your down payment, secure your spot at michelleandlisa.com. Um, that's right. I'm co-hosting it with a good friend of mine, Lisa Webley. And um, you can find out all the details and more at that website. So go give it a listen. Check it out. Let me know if you have any questions. Um, you need to get in here. It's going to be amazing. Talk to you soon.